name is Roger Burham, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Amigo Cloud, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, uh, and I just want to ask you a question. If you're listening to this right now, are you uh, considering... Uh, building an app? Do you view yourself as an independent creative? If so, then this is a great episode for you because uh, I feel like when I've I've built about 80 apps now and I feel like I really am a a creative uh, entrepreneur, uh, building apps is very much a creative experience. Uh, And what I wanted to do is an episode that was slightly different, actually quite unique. Uh, I have a guest who is going to be talking through uh, her experience and how she helps creative entrepreneurs uh, with uh, many aspects of their business, in particular, the legal aspect. And uh, let me just introduce uh, the guest that we have on. Uh, her name is uh, Kiffany Staley, uh, Kiffany Staley, and uh, she is the, uh, I guess, the founder and the um, owner of um, a website called theartistsjd.com, the Artist JD. So, uh, Kiffany, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks so much, Paul, for having me. Yeah, well, first of all, I would love to know how you help creative entrepreneurs. We are a bunch of indie app developers. We, um, you know, worry about getting in trouble with the stuff that we're using. How do you end up uh, helping people like, uh, you know, creative app developers? Yeah, so um, my kind of my background was uh, photography. I've always been a photographer. And when I went to law school, I was introduced to the intersection of art and the law, and I immediately fell in love. It's a great kind of way to approach the law creatively. You get to work with a amazing people um, that are doing creative endeavors and help them build and um, create something really sustainable. Um, And so it's a very uh, creative exercise on that end. You get to be much more flexible than if you're sitting in court and kind of litigating things on that end of things. And it also allows me to be surrounded by the people I love and deal with some, you know, very challenging Um, intellectual issues from the legal side. You know, our laws, a lot of our laws were built before the internet existed, before apps existed. And so trying to figure out a way that we can apply principles that worked in old school mediums to these new school things that the law really hasn't figured out a way to handle yet is a really fun and challenging exercise. And so it, it combines both my creative side and my nerdy intellectual side. And it's a lot of fun. So we, we um, love the fact that you're on our side then. You are yes. helping us uh, fight against these big corporates and, and, and help us, um, you know, we, at the end of the day, we have less resources than some of the big uh, corporations that, you know, have uh, teams of lawyers. Uh, and you Most help uh, independent creatives uh, fight their corner and uh, really, I, I guess, protect pe- people like us. Exactly. So uh, three years ago, I formed my own law firm um, here in California um, and have been focused solely on helping independent creative entrepreneurs. Um, Everyone from I've worked on a couple apps, um, helping them with things like their privacy policies and their terms of service and making sure children under the age of 14 weren't doing um, things with their apps, which are all concerns that have to be dealt with from the legal side. And 
well as as well as helping you know illustrators and authors and and those types of people. Um, well, and, we love you already because that's yeah. just, uh, you know, uh, literally you are the first person from to come uh, on this show from this perspective. And I almost feel like sometimes in the art world, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, people listening to this right now who feel that they're slightly immune from the law because uh, apps are very global in nature and uh, they're very new. And you, as you said yourself, the law has yet to catch up with uh, that, that kind of app technology. But is that really a misplaced um, myth that you're immune if you're just building apps and putting them out to the world? I think I think anytime you run a business, you have to you immediately open yourself up to some sort of lawsuit where you fit on that scale of one to ten, with ten being an extremely highly risky kind of business, to one being, you know, you're only dealing with a couple clients in person and and you know you don't they're all friends and you probably don't interact. I would say apps run, you know, probably on the the lower mid-range of the spectrum. Um, mostly I think where app developers need to pay the most attention is changes in privacy policy laws. Um, you know, you're collecting a lot of information on your users, depending upon how you have your app set up. And certain jurisdictions have incredibly strict restrictions on how you have to inform people about that. Um, recently, I was reading that the new laws in Italy allow business owners to be thrown in jail if they improperly handle privacy policies and improperly handle users' information. So, you know, it is definitely something that there is a risk when you're doing that. Um, you know, but but again, depending upon what countries you're interacting with, your risks could be greater or less. Um, but privacy is is something that the general consumer is becoming more aware of and more concerned about, about all of the information that we're able to collect on them. And so I think keeping that in mind and pretending that you're the user of your app is always a good exercise for people um, to think about if I'm my app user, what would I want to know about what I know about them? Um, and, and to kind of make that very transparent about the kinds of information and the kinds of things you can directly link to individual users. Okay, Kiffany, you're starting to scare us a little bit now because uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, the Italian laws are pretty strict. And, you know, we have no, sometimes no way of uh, judging where our apps are being downloaded. We basically exactly. have to assume that we, they are global. They're being uh, used all over the world. Uh, are you, um, you know, saying that we have a potential risk of being uh, indicted in, or um, what do you uh, deported to Italy and to face yeah, I think, trials? Yeah, I mean, I think your risk of that is pretty low. Um, you know, I think Phew. that, yes, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, you're all going to end up in jail in Italy. Um, what I'm saying is most often where people get in trouble with issues like this is a lack of transparency um, with their end users. Um, and so if you can let your end users make it very transparent, if your end user wants to figure it out, then that's, that's your best course of action. That's what these laws are designed 
to protect. They're designed to protect the consumer so that I can know what kind of you know, information that's directly tied to me that maybe is sensitive, things like credit card data, things like, you know, if you know any health, a lot of the apps these days are collecting health information on people. You know, what kind of information do you know about me personally that, you know, that I might consider sensitive information um, that I might be concerned about? And to make it really transparent, you know, 90% of consumers don't care. Um, but that 10%, if you get some crazy user in that 10% that cares and is upset and you don't make it transparent, that's where that's where you can run into problems. Yeah, because I would assume that it's fairly easy to take care, especially of the privacy policies, because all you need is to throw everything into that initial um privacy policy that, you know, everyone has to click to agree. And absolutely, you know, 99.99% of people uh, don't even get past the first word of reading it. And uh, honestly, I've downloaded so much of my life. I think I always read every terms of service and and every privacy policy. Yeah. But am I right in thinking that you're, you're really only going to increase your risk of being sued or someone coming after you if you start to make a lot of money and people can see that? Uh, I always uh, have this quite skeptic view in the US of, of only businesses that are starting to make some real, really good money uh, are the ones that then get litigated. I think that I think that that is more likely for practical reasons. Um, you know, lawsuits in especially in the United States are an expensive endeavor. And I am not going to encourage my client if, you know, say I represent an illustrator in my law practice and an app developer includes their illustration without permission as part of the app. If the app is not making any money, the chances of my client being able to recover anything from the app developer and not just throwing away money out of her own pocket to get me to chase after them, you know, if you're not making any money, where's the money that I'm going to get from you? And so I think your risk of being sued increases because of the practicality that you have money available for us as attorneys to go after. Um, I'm not, you know, again, I'm not going to sue someone who's, you know, broke because what am I going to get out of that? Yeah, I I actually have had some experience of this in the past. Uh, Running an internet company, I received one letter. That's all it took. Uh, I was rubbish. As soon as I received the letter, that's it. What do you want me to do? I gave up the, uh, it was quite a successful domain name and um, it was quite a good business, but I just did not have the stomach for a fight. And I almost feel like if you don't have money to defend the, you know, the argument and and you get threatened, it's almost like... um, I guess inequality in a way because you just don't have the money to defend yourself. So uh, yeah, you may, I mean, and, you may and as the well reverse just... happens as well. You know, if your app, you know, portions of your app code get stolen and incorporated into a Zynga app, say, um, you know, if you're a, a new, brand new indie app developer, what resources do you have to go after Zynga for that? You know, so the inequality I think happens both ways. Um, that that it's really tied to financial resources, um, unfortunately, sometimes. Yes, and how 
best can we take measures then to protect ourselves? Uh, do you have any guidance that you can help us with to, you know, almost protect ourselves against uh, uh, being uh, litigated or uh, getting into trouble? Yeah, so... I mean, I think it depends on what area of your business you're talking about. Um, generally, as your business starts to grow, getting something like business insurance for your business that includes a litigation coverage clause um, for general lawsuits that could come about in your business is a great safety net. Um, I actually just finished um, settling a case for one of my photography clients and the insurance company of the other party is totally paying the settlement amount. Um, so the business itself, you know, is out there deductible, but everything else the insurance company is paying for. So that's a great resource, non-legal resource to protect your business. You have a fascinating job, don't you? I mean, I'm almost like listening to you thinking it, it just must be so interesting. Every day, it's something different. Oh, uh, every yeah. every 10 minutes, it's something different. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, I, I, so I was going to say, like, like, I mean, uh, you know, people listening to this show do get inspired by the guests. And uh, I'm getting very inspired by your story. And I'm just wondering if anyone wanted to get into what you do uh you know, how did uh, how how did you fall into it? Uh, do you have any recommendations on uh, how to actually get it in, in, into um, that field of law? Is it you know is it a long process? Um, so in the United States, um, you know, it doesn't. I don't necessarily know how it works in every country. In the U.S., when you go to law school, it's kind of like a general education kind of thing. You can specialize, um, but ultimately, you have to pass the bar, the like lawyer's exam in your state that you want to practice in. And that's a very general education kind of driven exam. Um, and so what I did was used my, you know, working time, my internships and, and those types of things when I was in law school to learn how to do this kind of law. I worked at teeny tiny law firms that were, you know, no more than five attorneys. Um, who would actually teach me how to do this in in reality? Um, you know, what you learn in law school is how to read legal documents. You don't necessarily learn the, you know, interpersonal skills and the other types of skills that it takes to actually be a lawyer. And so that's what I did. I just worked at teeny tiny law firms that focused on creative business owners. Um, one kind of focused a lot on theater people. Another um, was focused on the film industry. Um, and the third um, kind of worked with very similar um, clients that I now kind of represent. And that's that's basically what I did. I just um, did it and and... And just made the leap um, straight out of law school into owning my own business and and my own practice and into being an entrepreneur. Well, Tiffany, what one of the things that we do on this show quite regularly is we we love to try and flesh out potential new ideas for app developers to go after. And I'm almost thinking that you know the app oh, industry a huge availability in the legal realm. Yeah, what yeah. I was going to say, like with you know apps are hugely disruptive as well, and. Uh, I'm I'm kind of interested to try and flesh out potential ideas in law that 
uh, apps could almost go after in terms of trying to, you know, reduce the inefficiencies that must exist. I mean, for example, it takes you uh, years and years and years to get to the point where you can actually call yourself a lawyer. Uh, uh, is it illegal to consult on law uh, to someone uh, online? Um, so the the laws are that... And again, it probably varies country to country. Here in the United States, when you are applying the laws to someone's specific facts, that's considered lawyering, basically. So when I'm taking all of the laws out there and I'm saying, these are how the laws directly apply to your creative business, and this is how we can protect exactly protect your creative business, not just protecting app developing businesses in general. These are good things to do. This is how we're going to solve the problem for your business. That's when we cross over into the line of lawyering. Um, where I think, where I personally think there could be some really great moves made on the app side is some of these access to justice issues that we've kind of talked about um, kind of briefly through our conversation today about breaking down, you know, a lot of times the lawyers kind of like to keep information behind this wall. And so if we can increase the availability for, you know, every creative business entrepreneur, whether you're an app developer or an illustrator, to understand how these laws apply to their business, they're much more likely to not get themselves in trouble and not end up needing legal help. And when they are, going in and having a conversation with their lawyer and with their expert on a much more educated level and a much more confident level. Um, and that can be done, I think, great ways through apps. Um, and there's some, there are some people out there doing some very cool things, but I think that there's a, that is a huge market, underserved market and availability for app developers. What definitely. sort of things are people doing that are cool? Uh, because I, I do love, uh, obviously I'm the app guy, so I love apps, mm -hmm. but yeah. I must admit my um, uh, number of downloaded apps that are law related are actually probably zero. So I don't know yeah. much about this field, but what what's, uh, I know um, I've heard so of LegalZoom. but Stuff. Yeah, so LegalZoom, I don't know that they really have an app. Um, there's sh um, a Shake one that's a contract-based one that helps people um, build contracts that are really simple um, for people to sign. I think they've got like a model release and a independent contractor and, and some of those kinds of things. Um, there's one that allows for copyright registration, uh, copyright transfers. So, you know, the copyright, you know, you as the app developer who writes the code, you own the copyright in that underlying code. I, for everything, obviously, that's not open source and, and those types of things. Um, if you want to transfer that copyright to someone else, or maybe you're the company who owns the app and you've hired someone as an independent contractor to write code for you for a specific thing and the, you as the app developer want them to transfer you the copyright. There is an app to make that process simpler. Um, Wonderful. Photographers um, 
you know, often they need model releases for, you know, the people that they're taking pictures of so that those photos can be used for advertising purposes. And there's several apps out there right now that will allow them to not only have the model release for the model to sign right in person, but allow them to take a picture of the model with their phone and attach it to that release so they have all the information in one place. Um, those are the few that are coming to my head right off the top. Wonderful. And also, I think uh, in one of my previous episodes, maybe with David Esquire, uh, he mentioned uh, some photography apps that are coming out that will Im- uh, impose a watermark uh, on your uh, content. And uh, then that immediately gives you some protection from people copying and, and stealing your stuff. Uh, but uh, it m- there must be, I'm almost thinking as well, wouldn't it be great? You know, there's, there's apps like Clarity. I don't know if you've come across Clarity. And they they offer uh, advice on a lot of different subjects. And I'm almost feeling there needs to be an app, perhaps there is one, where you can get instant access to expert help, um, you know, through a, a network of lawyers who are um, connected to this app. And uh, then you pay for, you know, per minute or two, yeah, um, yeah. Avo is a company based here in the U.S. That's like a Yelp, you know, kind of a review site for lawyers. And I know they've launched a component like that to their website recently, but I don't know if they have an app-related component to it. But but maybe that's part of their development process. Yeah. Lots of interesting stuff there for the listeners to think about, uh, potentially uh, coming up with this, uh, some of those ideas. You, you know, before we say goodbye, Tiffany, there's another thing we like to do, which is try and pick your brains on uh, how you use apps. You know, you must be an app user yourself. You must have a, a smartphone that you, especially I based in California. Right next to me. Yes, yes. <laughs> do you want to grab it and maybe you can tell uh-huh, us one or, two, one or two, uh, one or two of your apps on the phone? Uh, you know, maybe try and think of ones that perhaps we may not have come across before, uh, rather than the you know the usual stable um, ones that are. You know, most people have, but uh, have a look at your phone and see if there's any interesting apps that you could share with us. Interesting. I use very common apps. Visco, Cam, I use every single day to process photos. What, sorry, what what is that? Visco, V-S-C-O, Cam. They're a San Francisco-based company. It's a, you take, you know, it's like the interim step after you take the photo, it's how I process the photos before I post them on Instagram. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, what can you do um, in terms of the editing on that? Can you actually, I know that I came across an, uh, an app yesterday. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, unfortunately, but uh, it was uh, and it enabled you to uh, manipulate some of your uh, uh, facial expressions and you know reduce the wrinkles and uh, get rid of yeah, some of the no, blemishes this one, this one isn't isn't photoshop light <laughs> it's just more uh allowing you to adjust things like contrast and exposure and and then they've got preset filters and and that kind of thing um that one i use a lot i uh do my budgeting and my bookkeeping through a software called you need a budget YNAB. And they have an app for their software. 
that I use every day. And I guess the other one that maybe is oh, Before you could move on, uh, this is very cool because I've had the yeah. founder of uh, You Need a Budget on this very show. And uh, yeah, I, I love his I love his products. I, I actually told someone about, I tell my creative entrepreneurs about it all the time. And last night- I Je- Jesse Meekham, I think his name is. Uh, yes, yeah. Jesse, I think is his first name. Yeah, I interviewed um, him when I was in Dubai and it was great because he talked about how he released that app and he literally was getting something like 100 downloads a day from people who- weren't even registered with you need a budget and he said it's just it shows you when when he um, managed to get onto the itunes charts people just uh, even though the app was somewhere in the region of ten dollars people just download it automatically without thinking too much about what it is and uh, he had to make a few refunds because people had bought it without realizing that you need the um, underlying web web subscription yeah. yeah Um, and then the other one that I've been using for a little while now is called Good Habits. And it's one of those break the chain style apps where you can say things that you're trying to, habits that you're trying to form in yourself. And then you can um, indicate when you've done them or not and try not to break the chain and, and get more days of, of good habits and less days of bad habits. I love habit. Uh, any Any habit forming app, I... I'm very keen on so uh, uh, because one of my favorite apps actually has just changed its name from Lyft to uh, Coach Me, uh, and uh, I use that quite a lot to change habits. So um, there's some really good app recommendations there, Tiffany. I bet you didn't expect that when you were coming on this show. I, I didn't know that I was going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> we like to make it slightly different. It's not all you know, uh, law. Uh, I'm just thinking, you know, before we, I can't help to, I have to ask this, and maybe you get asked this all the time, but. Um, we hear a lot in the US about uh, patent trolls. And, uh, you know, especially when I've been following this case uh, about the podcasting uh, patent troll. Um, do, have you come into contact with patent trolls in, in your, uh, with your clients? Or, you know, perhaps you can explain what's, what's a patent troll and, and how uh, worried should we be about those um, that are going after? Oh, so. I will give you a bad answer, and that is I don't do patent law at all. While I do copyright and trademark law, in the U.S. to do patents well, you really have to only focus on patents. Um, And so while I'm probably just as educated as every other informed um, consumer and newsreader about patent trolls. Um, So Uh, Okay, and the other thing, which I know we're going to end up overrunning, but I've just got uh, these burning questions that I keep getting asked by my audience. Uh, one of them is um, like when you have an app idea, one of the uh, natural inclinations is to keep it secret. And uh, often we um, suggest uh, having a non-disclosure agreement where you send out that to uh, the developers when you want them to to quote on your job. And uh, is it worth doing non-disclosure agreements? Um, it is but only as a scare tactic. Um, For the most part, if someone is to breach a non-disclosure agreement, your only recourse to stop them is to go to court and sue them. So if you are, again, a, you know, brand new, you know, lack of cash flow app developer, um, enforcing that non-disclosure agreement is going to be pretty difficult when it comes to the practicality of it. Um, however, oftentimes sending that non-disclosure agreement will do what you want it to do, and that's to get the other person to keep their mouth shut. Um, so it works really well as a scare tactic. It's 
sometimes coming up again with the stick behind and enforcing it um, is difficult when it comes to cash flow. Now, it's really interesting because I often get um, requests you know, to sign NDAs and I don't send out NDAs myself only because I know that uh, in a way, when you have an idea for an app, you think it's the world's best idea and you think that everyone's going to be jumping on it, but there's millions and millions of apps in the app store and, and every single and there's only so many ideas yes. yeah exactly and every single app developer is pretty busy anyway and they're, they're not waiting for your next big idea you know to jump on and start stealing and I just feel it's better to get the idea out there and you know even if they do steal the idea they're not going to be as committed as you uh, getting that uh, to um, you know through the to the app store and actually promoting it and being passionate about it so i feel like ndas are a bit of a waste of time and it's nice to hear you say that actually unless you're going to enforce it then it's just a scare tactic for the uh, developers to take heed of great kiffany is there anything we missed before oh you know the obviously we need to know how we get in touch with you and, and how to reach out to you yeah so um kiffany staley i'm pretty much kiffany staley um K-I-F-F-A-N-I-E and then last name S-T-A-H-L-E on all social media platforms. That's the great thing about having a unique name. And uh, my website is theartistjd.com and I blog there and provide tools and resources for creative entrepreneurs to tackle the legal aspects of their business. My goal is to help all creative entrepreneurs understand that the law doesn't have to equal scary. And so I'm working to really build a community over there of transparent conversations about the law. And I hope that um, to keep building that. Well, Kiffity, you are so inspirational. You are amongst the first lawyer to come on here in 214 episodes and just blow me away with how interesting your job is and uh, and how passionate you are about uh, helping creatives. So um, I recommend everybody listening to go to your blog and to your website and to go and check you out and to search you out on, on social media. What a wonderful guest. Thank you very much for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Thanks so much for having me.